It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. Today on Recalibrate, we welcome back Derek Johnston of Samsung Networks and Reed S. Stryker of Samsung B2B Mobile Marketing to break down spectrum auctions, Wi-Fi limitations, and the difference between private and public LTE networks. Though the need for private networks can be puzzling on the surface, the necessity and impact on governments and enterprise companies cannot be understated. Let's dive in with your host, Jason Claybrook. Today I have Derek and Reed here with me, so two uh, recalibrators. But today we're going to talk mostly about private networks and public networks. What's the difference? We'll invariably talk about a little bit of spectrum with that. Who owns spectrum? What's free spectrum? What is a private network? I think we've had this conversation before, Reed, and you said what came first, the chicken or the egg. So we're going to see if we can further explore which one hatched. There is free spectrum. There is free spectrum. There is, well, let's call it allocated spectrum that for certain use cases like Wi-Fi, 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. Mm -hmm. And soon there's going to be another one that's being investigated or actually approved now in the 6 gigahertz band for 5.9 and 6 gigahertz, 900 megahertz worth of spectrum being allocated. And that's kind of free. Uh, You're buying Wi-Fi equipment, of course, but Mm -hmm. it's unlicensed. So maybe that's a better way of thinking about is unlicensed versus licensed. Mm -hmm. And that leads us into public and private networks. Derek, you've got a ton of experience in this. So for the audience, just define what is a public network. Sure. A public network, I think people can think of as your wireless operator, your wireless service provider. They're using licensed spectrum to deliver cellular service to you. And that is a public network, if you will, owned by a private company. Yes. So it isn't public in the sense of it's offered to you by the federal government or anything like that for free, pay for the service, but it is a publicly accessible network. It's using licensed spectrum. AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile in no particular order. Exactly. I think almost alphabetically. And then private networks would be more for an enterprise and what an enterprise is doing. Mm -hmm. Or it could even be at the consumer level what you have in your home. But in the enterprise, you're not going to have that paid for spectrum that you're buying in an auction, right? Correct. In auction spectrum, there's not one winner whenever they auction spectrum. You're buying little chunks of it, mm-hmm. paying millions for spectrum. If not, yeah, if, if not, not billions. billions. Can you talk about this process? Because I think probably being a layman to this side of the world of tech, I don't know anything about that process. I would find it interesting to know more. Like, how does that, do they literally have like an auction here when you say auction? Well, in the future, you're going to go to someplace like a Costco. So I'm thinking like the, like the farm where they're like, they're auctioning <laughs> off pigs, like and they've yeah. got the auctioneer, but the probably not. really fast. The guy talks super fast <laughs> and probably not the same type of auction though. Yeah. Do I hear 25 years? It's yeah. right yeah. next to the time travel machine at Costco. <laughs> Wait, that's a different story. I've never been or participated in FCC spectrum auction, so there's my disclaimer. But yes, the FCC puts out a notice in advance of their auctions and what particular spectrum will become become available. And then there's a bidding process of which the operators or WISPs or whoever is interested in purchasing that spectrum for use will then you know put their bids out and 
actively it kind of goes up just like it's standard auction in terms of the pricing. We've seen that kind of with some of the latest auctions that they've had with some of the millimeter wave spectrum that's been made available for 5G. So it's mm-hmm. way up on the, the spectrum range. And so, um, yeah, then the lucky winner gets to take all of their radio airwaves home and then put out commercial service on it. And then there are rules that the FCC has in place for the use of that spectrum. So they're selling the spectrum, but they also still mandate rules over the spectrum. Absolutely. Like how it can be used in a time frame that they have to have commercial service uh, or service up and running on it. So, yeah, okay. yeah, so you can't, you know, largely you just can't, can't sit on it. it. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Just the concept, you know, like from like an electronics company perspective, we were selling you a cell phone and we mandated you had to use it a certain way. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that the FCC can do that. Like, well, and they're will, not the only ones. Phone and you will download this app. <laughs> they're not the only ones. So there's other regulatory bodies worldwide, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're in sync, and sometimes they're not in sync. And right. then uh, what's really interesting is in the last couple of years, there's been this spectrum in the 3.5 gigahertz range mm-hmm. that we've long time referred to as CBRS, as a couple hundred megahertz of spectrum, which is... Actually, quite a lot of spectrum. When you talk about it from a contiguous spectrum perspective, it's accurate to say that what the operators have been contending with for a lot of their spectrum holdings is is that they get segments of it. So if you take 700 as a good example, there's a lot of the operators have some 700 holdings, but they'll have a little bit here, a little bit over here, and so it's choppy. And so what the value of spectrum when you start to get into 5G is having that contiguous spectrum and having a lot of blocks of it to get, to be able to deliver capacity, uh, essentially. Because so it's broken down in chunks of... 10 megahertz. 10 megahertz. Something like that. Right. So the CBRS spectrum actually has a new name as of last year called Ongo. Which, capital uh, O and capital G O. Yeah, it's kind of the Wi-Fi is a proper noun. Yeah. It's not a. It's more of a marketing term. We all use it loosely, but Ongo is what we have for this 3.5 spectrum. And what's really unique about it for the U.S. market is it's broken down into three different blocks, if you will, where you have some legacy use cases for the first block, and then you have what's called PAL licenses. It's priority access license. And with those licenses, you'll still see those go to auction with the OCC. It hasn't happened yet, but we're all anxiously awaiting for the date that that auction's announced so that everybody can bid on that and make use of that spectrum. And then there's a third part of the spectrum, which is basically a general purpose part of the spectrum. And that's going to be usable for just your run-of-the-mill enterprise through SaaS providers. I'd say run-of-the-mill, but, you know, it's a little bit more complex than that. There's an ecosystem, but having licensed spectrum used in an unlicensed way is a new thing. And it's really a a U.S. thing. It's a pretty fantastic experiment. And what that's going to enable is a different kind of private networking. Right now, all of our private wireless networks are Wi-Fi networks Mm -hmm. running 2, 4, and 5 gigahertz, right? There's a lot of great things you could do with Wi-Fi, but there are limitations, distance range, latency, mobility, and we're going to bring in some of the best practices that you have in the cellular world into private enterprise where you get predictable latency, and you'll get more bandwidth Mm -hmm. than what you see. You'll get greater range and better throughput, and it'll behave a lot more like a cellular network. Mm -hmm. From that perspective. 
Yeah, this advent or notion of private networks or private LTE networks is pretty interesting. I think people have always kind of scratched their head like, well, why would you need that? You know, to your point, like most enterprises are familiar with Wi-Fi. They have fairly robust Wi-Fi networks, et cetera. But you know, there are a variety of different enterprises, government, even educational institutions that are suffering from kind of probably three areas where a private LTE network would help out, right? And that's either coverage. So you could mm-hmm. be in an area where the public network, if you will, or the you, a service operator isn't really servicing your area or your facility has terrible coverage, mm-hmm. or you want control, like you have certain applications that you're running that Wi-Fi may not be as robust or have the right types of performance attributes that you need for it. And then there's a the capacity issue, right? Like, do you have enough bandwidth or throughput in your facility to run all of those different applications? So I think, you know, that's where certain companies now are looking at private LTE as a real option under CBRS and the shared spectrum approach. So it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, and it's got a lot of different use cases. One of the simple ones for replacement is the LMR networks, land mobile mm-hmm. radio, that push the talk, walkie-talkie. Once you start moving into using a band that's got greater bandwidth available, you go from push to talk to push to X, so you might have push to video, where mm-hmm. if you're in a theme park, having video communications between park staff mm-hmm. is valuable or a separate private network being overlaid just for point of sale, something that's very reliable and dependable, better coverage. Talk about enterprise, cost is a huge, huge deal. And I know that everybody is using cost, capacity, and coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the coverage piece, even though they might think they have the coverage piece down because they're just they kind of operate business as usual and they don't, they're not aware of what they could be doing. And from a capacity perspective, I feel like those things are kind of, uh, so from a control perspective, I feel like that's another kind of a, a very large bridge to cross rather with, with some organizations. But everybody, cost resonates with everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what, what, what happens from a cost perspective with 5G? You know, I would say that I'm a big believer in heterogeneous networks. Mm. Wi-Fi will solve some problems, will not solve all problems. Wi-Fi 6 will solve a few more. It's not going to solve everything. Right. And mm-hmm. private LTE solves some problems. It gives us more control as an enterprise with greater capacity, greater coverage, reach places. And I can blend those with Wi-Fi. And so if I'm in this manufacturing environment and I've got this 30,000 square foot, 3 million square foot cavernous building with all kinds of stuff in it, I might want to put more latency sensitive and sensor type data over a private LTE network. And for email that or logging into SAP or some ERP, CRM, whatever the case is, Wi-Fi is Perfectly good for that. There. We right. can get really granular within the enterprise. How are we routing traffic over which physical interface and use the tool that's most appropriate? You get into 5G, I would say that we're in our infancy right now with 5G and for Ongo. The point about costs and private, private LTE networks and you know, for enterprises that are considering it, I'm no expert just in terms of understanding what a network provider might end up, you know, offering that from a managed service perspective. But mm-hmm. the one huge cost that comes kind of out of the the equation is is that the service provider can offer this private LTE network theoretically more cheaply because they don't have the cost of license spectrum data go out and acquire and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They have to they have these licenses, but mm-hmm. it's shared spectrum, so they didn't bid, you know hundreds of millions to right. billions of dollars for it. And so that component alone is a huge 
benefit, I think, to the ecosystem in terms of offering private LT. And so. I know that cost, even though we always have that conversation, even from like a sales perspective, it's like you never want to lead with cost because then you always lose, the, you never lose with the value. But it is something that I think people immediately want to know, which is like, this new technology is coming. How do I prepare for it? One. And then two, like, what is it going to cost me? And because of that cost, I will be able to either deploy this or I won't. But what can my organization afford? Because, it, I mean, SMB is a huge deal with this. So I would love to explore where, like, SMB fits in to 5G and different ways they can enable. Because yeah. it, it's really fascinating that the infrastructure that's in place can be utilized for things like email and those less powerful Network that first two traffic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to everyday traffic versus something that like is very, very specified. You know, it's an interesting topic. So it's like, where does the uh, like small biz fit into all this? Yeah, well, so, even before that, from a cost perspective, all the modeling, there's not a truly generally available offering with Ongo yet. There's a lot of trial work that's been done by Samsung and other entities out in the marketplace. The cost per bit is marginally higher than Wi-Fi. So if you were to take and graph out how much does 5G cost to deliver, how much does LTE cost to deliver, how much is on-go, how much is Wi-Fi, it's going to be closer to Wi-Fi mm-hmm. as far as cost per bit is concerned. Mm-hmm. And nobody has true numbers yet, how much is going to cost from a service because it is likely to be more of a managed service. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be a really big company to go out and do anything that's not a managed service because there's still pseudo generally available. You still have these things called SaaS providers, which are allocating spectrum mm. and managing it around the country because in times of crisis, especially in coastal cities, some of that spectrum can be reallocated back to the government for maritime mm. you know, submarine communication. So they might pull back five megahertz. They're not going to leave you high and dry, but there's still this management entity. And then there's people that are hosting a core network. And that's another big cost that carriers have where if it's LTE or 5G, you have this core network that's a big, huge part of the cost. And now that becomes a shared resource for people that are managing a core network and basically providing a multi-tenanted access geographically based to different private enterprises. Mm -hmm. And there's so many more use cases with that same Mm -hmm. spectrum. With 3.5, you're going to see fixed wireless access for you know, last mile communications, fiber replacement in both urban and rural settings. And you'll see that come from carriers in those PAL license. Another cool thing about it is that's all LTE technology. Mm-hmm. Today, it is going to be upgradable to 5G. It's that same spectrum 3.5 is being used in other parts of the world for 5G already. Mm-hmm. To your question about small, medium businesses, when you talk about private LTE networks, there hasn't been enough pervasive deployment, you know. There, I mean, since CBRS is new, we haven't seen the the deployment model yet in mm-hmm. terms of of probably what will end up being larger scale enterprises that will take advantage of private LTE. So, you know, on on um, so some of the examples we were talking about, like if you're talking, you're, you have a mining operation, or if you're a manufacturing facility that's kind of off the grid or in a rural right. area, those are perfect areas where you've got a lot of different applications that you can either enable, whether it's IoT-based or automation, things that are going on in your factory, or private LTE is super well-suited for it because Wi-Fi may not have the latency that you need. You can control 
you know, your uplink and your downlink mm -hmm. uh, really well, you know, for specific applications and needs. So you've got that control, you've got that capacity, and now you've got your coverage. And so you've got those three C's. But for, for SMB, when you start to get into kind of like your your point about 5G, I think one, I think that the cost implications of that, folks look at the progression of the various G's and when they went out and got, you know, service. Um, I don't think that they're going to expect to get hit with like a, you know, sticker shock. Yeah. And it'll be consistent with, you know, the service levels that they anticipate paying for. Um, the thing that I think will be interesting for, for small and medium businesses with 5G is that the technology is being contemplated beyond like a mobile device. And so there's tons of different mm -hmm. applications and capabilities and use cases where small, medium businesses will be able to kind of innovate on this kind of new platform. You know, you think of all like small startups that got to start just by putting an application out over a 4G LTE network, mm -hmm. 5G, it's going to be, you know, much broader much broader set of capabilities because going from 3G to 4G LTE was like turning the lights on in the room. This is like stepping out uh, of the cave. Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah, seeing the sun for the first time. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a giant leap forward in terms of capabilities because, and we talked about like, there was a great deal of performance improvements from 3G to 4G in terms of speeds and, and throughput. But 5G got that whole, whole latency capability that's going to open up a whole nother level of different use cases and applications. So I think small, medium businesses stand to benefit in a big way. I don't disagree. <laughs> all right. We, Excellent. We all can. We answered one question. Yeah. We answered one question. That was awesome. What was the next one? Um, so, will flying cars be a thing? Will flying cars be will a thing? Will 5G car? enable flying cars? Well, flying no, cars. Just one thing I will say about flying cars. Well, two things. Not immediate, but it's real enough that buddy of mine that's an actuary, they're working on how are they going to insure flying cars. So, That's the thing they're actually doing. Yes, they're modeling this. And one thing they was telling me over a couple pints of beer was they expect fewer incidents. But when they do have an incident, it's going to cost them it's a hell of a lot more money. Claim. <laughs> it's a big claim because oh, man. it's not you, a fender bender. You no, know, you don't want it to in the neighborhood. You don't want that DeLorean to fall on a eight year old. Yeah bicycle with the eight-year-old on it. Yeah, that would be pretty bad. I was going to say we should probably get down driverless cars before we start exploring flying, flying cars. cars. I agree with you. Because I feel like that's very, like, those are good like, intermittent stuff. Stepwise, I feel like uh, it's like smart move. You're going from, like, uh, as, like, complicated ballet moves, which are, like, the flying car versus, we don't even have good drivers now, and I'm yeah. one of them. You know, what I mean? like <laughs> I can't. You put me behind. You mean me a pilot? No, no dice. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hit something. Clip mm -hmm. a chimney. Like there's no way. We, yeah, need, we exactly. need to automate George Jetson did not pilot his car. Exactly. No. All right. So, anyway, so, so private networks. Private, private <laughs> network. <laughs> Oddly enough, Speaking private networks. Flying cars. One of the values in private networks is go back to manufacturing is autonomous vehicles or agriculture. Right. Autonomous vehicles. So precision agriculture. You don't necessarily need a licensed spectrum cellular network for that you can go into the pseudo unlicensed in the gaa world of cbrs slash ongo have enough bandwidth have the predictable latency to operate combines in a cornfield in nebraska safely safely right and you know the things that they're doing with it right now it's somebody's still in the cockpit sure. but they're watching netflix mm -hmm. they're there to make sure nothing catches fire right. and you don't accidentally go across the farm to market road and run over the wrong skunk or something. But you get 10 combines going all at once, and now you're mass producing food that we're already mass producing faster and faster because so, you need, so you need more food. So the flying car thing actually was related to 
to 5G and private networks. Because in order to do autonomous flying Aut cars, you would actually need to have autonomous everything before that. Autonomous cherry pickers. There you go. You know, going and picking stuff off the shelf, autonomous forklifts. Off the shelf, you mean tree? No. <laughs> uh, cherry pickers, pulling chairs off yeah, the trees, the, is that what you're talking about? No, the little forklifts that go really high vertically. Oh, the literal, oh, you mean those, sorry. They're called cherry pickers, yeah. I did not know that they were called forklifts. They're called cherry pickers. They have like a forklift. Is that a thing? I, it is a thing. I don't I, know if it's the, the technical well, term or if it's more Can we insert a little slang. bit of YouTube video into a podcast? It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> yeah. um, no, cherry uh, picker. Okay. I, I mean, I, I trust you. I, you seem very trustworthy. I have operated one when I, I was in college. You've even operated one, so yeah. there you go. There you go. Instant college. credibility. Instant credibility. And when I was in the Army, I operated a really big forklift. Not that I was licensed to, but well, somebody had to. That's uh, that, that happens sometimes. You just have to move something. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, those so autonomous. Autonomous. Right. You don't want to run over people. So, no. you know, get the image of, was it Austin Powers where somebody got ran over by a steamroller? Steamroller. <laughs> but it was in a factory. Was it a steamroller? I think it was a steamroller. That's right. Private LTE with sensors in that factory. That would have never happened. Naked gun, too. <laughs> That's a great The movie. first one. When the bad guy, he gets run over by the steamroller, the marching band goes over him. Do you remember this? Oh, yes. I do. I remember the marching band. Yeah. Good times. Mm -hmm. Good times. Not for him, but for the audience. I mean, it was fun. It was a chuckle. It Hard was. Laugh. So autonomous vehicle. Sorry. <laughs> last last time I did, I divert. But yes, yeah, so the cherry pickers. Cherry pickers, combines. You can run those over private LTE networks. Yes, you can. There's The latency is good enough. The... Uh, Bandwidth, capacity, coverage, all those things are good enough. Mm -hmm. And you have the control over and your network. And the capacity. And the capacity. No capes. Maybe carrots. Let me ask you this. You hit on manufacturing for sure. Where are other like, verticals? I touch on smart ag right. for a minute. So. <laughs> those pop up a lot. But I know they yeah. you know, so I brought up SMB. It's a huge focus uh, for us for sure. But it's like where, what other like, really you know, vertical specific? How are you defining SMB? Uh, small medium business. I think it's usually defined. I thought as like you know, is everything from a mom and pop like basically to up to like a thousand employees. Or something like well, because retail is retail is a huge uh, SMB and retail is like massive. It's, it's massive, massive, massive. So it's like where, where does this fit in with like in retail, or does this go back into the autonomous piece where you're having like food make itself? Yeah, retail. I think it's. There's a couple dependencies on that one. So if you wanted to build an ongo network, uh, part of the intent would be to connect all your different stores mm. across the country. And if you limit it to across the country, you're much safer with that because if you say, well, I've also got 500 stores in Europe. Right. Well, they're not using ongo because they don't have ongo. That's a U.S. thing. Um, so if you have those 500 stores in the U.S. and you're using Ongo to build this private network with better coverage, it certainly makes a lot of sense. It's going to give you better capacity and coverage. So I would say bigger stores. Yeah. You know, something that's as small as a local coffee shop, probably not something that's where Wi-Fi is going to do the trick. Well, like um, maybe like a, like a national food chain. Let's say like they wanted to put up displays everywhere so that way you can immediately automate your... I don't know, like if the price changed or if something was added to the menu, that could all be done. Could that be done currently or is that something that we need to be? The applications that are being used today, um, there are the ones that you're referencing, you know, can be done with Wi-Fi. 
um, and our digital signage, for example, mm-hmm. uses Wi-Fi all the time. Mm-hmm. And to Jason's point about retail and, and even if these are food chains, CBRS offers, or OnGo, I should say, offers a unique opportunity because, again, it, it's kind of, it can solve that kind of in-building problem mm-hmm. that, that frequently retail has, which is like if you're located in a mall or a standalone store and you don't have necessarily good cellular coverage in your facility, what the industry calls is neutral host, which is if you're X carrier, I'm Y carrier, mm-hmm. like my service may work in your store, but yours may not. And so to solve those problems in big, bigger facilities, a lot of them will use distributed antenna systems and they'll bring in like signal from all of the carriers, but it's an expensive, costly, time-consuming process. With, with CRS and OnGo, you can, you can have this kind of single, this notion of one single service. Mm-hmm. And eventually when it's all built into the handsets, mm-hmm. folks will go in and LTE service or, or you know, it's carrier independent if you Okay. Yeah. So, like, for in that specific example, in in I went to a mall this a little bit ago, but I had no reception in the store I was in, so to walk out into the hall, like in like the, not the hall, but like the general area where everyone's walking, just to be able to use my phone, and then went back in, and then I might didn't have service, and so I had to go back out to the, and I just left mm-hmm. instead of actually spending time in the store to buy anything. Um, I probably would have purchased something. That happens. That happens. Business case. Yeah. Another thing that you could do with CBRS in that retail environment is, you know, we have a lot of other technologies that are maturing around the same time these new cellular offerings with Ongo 5G or LTE Advanced Pro are coming out. All these different things, they're coalescing with artificial intelligence, which has been around, you know, first artificial intelligence was in the 50s. And it died off and went through a harsh winter a couple times, and now it's picking back up. And what we're all kind of learning is, you know, foundationally, you need a stronger network for AI to work, hmm. for machine learning to work, and so also we're, we're blockchain. Building. So I was just in a conversation a couple of days ago with somebody from uh, another company who's doing some interesting things with blockchain, and you talk about that nationwide fast food joint there doing things to monitor the food supply and record spoilage and make sure that hamburger patties or chicken aren't making it into the store and actually being used when they should have already expired. Hmm. Or to track, you know, we see E. coli outbreaks. Yeah. Right? And so if you could start that... Romaine lettuce thing with this match. Right, romaine lettuce. So they have to just kill off a whole bunch of romaine lettuce because they don't have granular enough data to know within that supply chain so to be able to tag everything and track everything you need a reliable network on Mm. top of that digital ledger that's following you around so it's not that blockchain works in isolation Mm. or 5g or cbrs on go works in isolation or wi-fi for that matter or ai or machine learning all of them working in concert together works to provide something that's a hell of a lot more measurable the future is going to be pretty cool is what you're saying 5G, like CBRS on go, like the whole the whole thing is a very complex topic that I feel like people just need to slowly absorb. Yeah, I mean, yeah you don't get it in one day. No, it's impossible. It's, so I yeah, I feel like this is I mean this is, this is, this platform uh, that you guys are creating with like a like a tech podcast and like at this level, I think is a great way to absorb information, especially if you don't have any talking points. Like if you don't really understand it, it would be great too. Cause it, you know, at the top you're like, uh, oh, talking about millimeter wavelength and all that other stuff. Like 
there's a lot of people that don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And there's the only a lot reason of people that, in the business that don't understand Right, but that. the only reason that I even understand it to the extent that I do is because of hanging out with you guys. And so I'm, I've been very spoiled to that, but I think a lot of people um, would appreciate that knowledge. And there's a thing that happens in tech where you kind of get frustrated and it's like a thing of like, um, which you just kind of throw your hands up to it because you don't think you can, it's just like, ah, it's just too complicated. I'm done. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely feel that with your expertise and also like your personalities and whatnot, you can make the unrelatable, very relatable. And that's a, that's a great, this is a great format for that. When you're dealing, especially in the enterprise where people struggle in it departments and, even business decision makers is which one do I use? Right. Is it Wi-Fi? Is it is it getting something from a carrier? Is it building something on my own? You know, those are questions that are best answered by talking to people that are truly experts in the field because yeah. the people that are good at it, they're not going to be very abrasive and say, you must only do this one thing, which is what I do. People that are really good at it will sit there and say, you know what? That use case, really interesting use case, best served by this. I don't have that on my truck, but here's why. Mm. Here's where it's going to make sense. And if you always drive it back to some very basic things as how do I either save money or make money, it'll help guide your path because we don't want to sit here and say that just because Ongo's coming, Ongo's going to be great and it's going to solve a lot of problems that currently exist that Wi-Fi can't solve Mm. or that doing some things with carriers just can't solve but it's not going to solve everything so you need to look for somebody that's really experienced in all of these because they're going to guide you down the right path and help you do either make money or save money with your tech decisions and beyond that foundationally you know i oftentimes people will hear me equate networking to plumbing you know i ask people all the time so when you're building a house What's the first thing that goes, oh, you pour concrete? No, it's not right. Before you pour concrete, after you pour concrete and you see a house being built, you see pipes sticking out, right? Right. Networking is plumbing. So for your house to work right, you got to get your plumbing right first because you can't make any changes after that. He's really really taking me down a notch in terms of my career here. (laughs) Master master plumbers are in high demand. No, I know. I'm just kidding. And I've got a family full of them, so I come by it naturally. I'm paying homage to my grandfather. No, I mean you you make a, a really good point, which I think is that the you know for enterprises when they're they're thinking about or, or small medium businesses for that matter, when they're thinking about like what wireless technology is going to help them solve a bunch of their business issues. It's like you absolutely need to go to whether it's you know system or somebody knows you know RF to to help explain. Okay, well, what are the applications you trying to run? what those applications need to run in terms of speeds, throughputs, latencies, and things like that, and then point them in the direction of availability. I think when, when Ongo you know, is, is broadly available in the market or the offerings start to come out, you know, you got 5G networks coming out there. There's going to be a lot of options for these businesses to think, think through. And, and I think um, understanding, yeah, understanding the breadth of the applications you're running, whether that's IoT, whether it's comms, you know, voice and data, all the way up the chain, you're going to need to look at those things, assess them, and then choose the right, you know, choose your kind of right technology and right partner for them. And I think we all pretty well agree it's going to be a mix. It mm-hmm. may not be all of them, but Absolutely. it's going to be better than one. You're not going to use one thing, and that's going to that's going to take you to uh, wireless nirvana. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, the other thing with that is 
from the technology perspective, a lot of people have gotten frustrated over time saying, I'd really like to do something a little bit more advanced. It's going to create efficiencies. It's going to mm -hmm. do something for my business. Mm -hmm. But they've thrown their hands up and they tune out and they've kind of become deaf to new opportunities. And I think it's important for us to reintroduce, hey, there are some things here now that this technology is caught up to where your mind was a few years ago and how to better run your business. Mm -hmm. And then these other technologies higher up the stack are here now. So you get back to the AI machine learning and all those things. And where you may have been apprehensive before saying, yeah, I just I can't do all these things. It's either too expensive or it's not mature enough. The maturity is here now with all of them that we're actually seeing some really cool advancements that get back. I know Derek, you and I have talked about it. I think with Reed, when we were doing the TV Mm -hmm. filming with the platooning and drafting of semi-trucks. Mm -hmm. You know, those are semi-autonomous vehicles. So to your point earlier, Reed, how do we get the flying cars? These iterative steps from we're driving them with a lot of controls in the truck, then becoming semi-autonomous and getting these, they seem like marginal efficiencies, but, mm -hmm. you know, 10% fuel, fuel economy is pretty big across the fleet. Yep. Then you go into autonomous, and then you go into autonomous repairs, remote repairs, things things of that nature. You know, you're talking about public networks and 5G networks. Having You don't necessarily have to have the expert climb to the top of your high-rise building to look at the older air conditioning system. Mm -hmm. You can send somebody more junior, but they take high-resolution video with them and work with somebody back in a command center within the business to say, oh, yeah, I saw this a hundred times before. You need to change that part, and now you're lowering costs mm -hmm. out of that equation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not replacing people. It's just becoming a hell of a lot more efficient. I think that, that would resonate with most businesses. I, I'm pretty simple. Does it help me make money or save money? If, yep. I, if I can't answer either one of those, then just turn on a ball game. How do we know how your mind works? Yes. <laughs> I, I recalibrate very quickly. Does it do this? Nope. Okay. I'm going to watch Mavs game and watch Luca. <laughs> so with that, I think we are concluding episode 0008. Making, right. making that part up. Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, you, you are, you're baking in a lot of zeros for more of these episodes. I know. We're going to be doing this forever. Yes. I will never do anything like <laughs> Get a bed in here. Growing a little low. Big, long, white beard. Um, still sitting here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I probably, you know, let me know how I can help in the future. And, um, yeah, yeah this is great. Thanks for being here. Yeah. And we'll certainly have both of you guys back time and time again. We'll recalibrate later. Yes. Good day, sir. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes, or for more of our content, you can head to samsung-networks.com, or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.